Any intense signal, any content download, anytime they're interacting on a page that's on your site or on you know, a third party site, you wanna feed that intelligence back to the sales team. So it's not just a one touch, it's multi-touch in your environment and outside of your environment. And that's where we're seeing our customers have the most success in not only using intent data to target, but then influence the intent of that person in that company. The B2B Marketing Exchange brings together B2B marketing and sales practitioners from across the country to get the latest tools and tips they need to succeed. Now, we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. I'm Claudia Tarico, And I'm Kelly Lindenau. And this is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the B2BMX podcast. We are currently working to secure some exclusive interviews with some of our 2024 B2BMX speakers. So in the meantime, we're going to kick it back to the 2023 B2B sales and marketing exchange in Boston with the replay from an esteemed CRO panel. Yeah, this session was titled, of course, CRO panel, new revenue remedies and realities. And it featured Christine Nurnberger and Andrea Eaton of OutSystems, Zach Jones of Technology Advice, and Brooke Duffy of Picket. This esteemed panel tackled tons of CRO and revenue-facing priorities and challenges, including the tools and tactics to better engage buyers, the critical role of data and insights in understanding buying behaviors and patterns, the importance importance of people and processes behind the technology tools and steps to improve pipeline performance at key stages. So without further ado, let's roll that tape in three, two, one. Hello and good morning, beautiful B2B SMX community. It's so great to be back here again. Um, I'm thrilled to be on the stage here with Andrea Eaton, Zach Jones, and Brooke Duffy to talk about the new revenue realities and how we align sales and marketing go-to-market teams to drive growth for our respective businesses. Um, so why don't we first just do a quick introduction. Andrea, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Good morning, everybody. My name is Andrea, and I was uh, recently CRO at a company called Bluefin Payment Systems. Uh, fintech based out of Atlanta. There I led uh, marketing and sales. And I actually just started at OutSystems this week working with Christine, um, and I'm leading revenue marketing there. Good morning, everyone. My name is Brooke Duffy. Um, my career, I've always gone into companies at pivotal times of transformation, startup, scale up, mergers and acquisitions, divestitures to make sense out of the growth functions. Um, that means that in my seat as CRO, I have overseen sales, marketing, customer success, account management, and product functions. Currently, I am at Picket, which is a Microsoft-backed um, digital asset management tool, um, mostly sold to marketers, so hopefully some of you in here know it. Um, and I'm actually essentially their fractional CRO today. Cool. Hi, everyone. I'm Zach Jones, Chief Revenue Officer with Technology Advice. Uh, so I currently lead sales and marketing with TA, but also have the opportunity to work with our customers uh, to orchestrate demand, uh, brands demand programs uh, to help them better align with their customers' ICPs and to uh, ensure that they're meeting their customers where they are in the buyer journey. So looking forward to the conversation today. Thanks, guys. Um, and as Claudia mentioned, my name is Christine Nurnberger. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer of OutSystems. Um, and one of the things I'm extremely passionate about is partnership with the CRO and making sure that we are completely aligned across the sales and marketing functions to drive growth. So I'm super excited to be talking to these guys today. 
Um, so starting off, according to a recent uh, go-to-market benchmark survey from DemandGen Report, improving sales and marketing alignment is actually the number one investment plan to drive growth. So my first question to the panel is, what are some of the critical foundations of sales and marketing alignment, um, and how do you think about driving sales and marketing alignment across the go-to-market teams? Sure. I, I think, you know, first and foremost, it's really great to hear that sales and marketing alignment was called out as so key to driving growth. Um, it sounds super basic, but I know that in the companies I've been at, whether they were $5 million in revenue or $500 million in revenue, um, it is amazing how misaligned sales and marketing can be. Um, and a recent LinkedIn report showed that revenue roles, the CRO role, uh, head of RevOps, is one of the fastest growing jobs. And I think that the reason for that is companies are hoping that these roles can be that glue um, that does help unite sales and marketing. Um, and you know, CRO can be really ahead of sales. Sometimes it leads both sales and marketing. Um, I, regardless of how you structure your team and, and what the roles are called, that alignment has to come from business planning and a shared understanding of your customer. Um, and so I think as companies try to align their teams, again, regardless of who rolls up to which you know, C-level executive, a key time to um, you know, foster that alignment is a business planning cycle. So once you understand you know, what are our growth targets for the year, where is that growth supposed to come from, whether it's net new, um, upsell to installed base, then teams can work together to come up with their um, joint plays across marketing and sales and figure out how are we going to make that happen for the business. Uh, and that also requires a shared understanding of other key uh, foundational elements like who is our ideal customer profile, um, what motivates the key personas within our buying groups? How do we best convey our message to them? Um, and what do we have to, to say and to deliver to our customers that's different than our competitors? And how do we make that clear? And lastly, you know, how do we make sure that our customers stay loyal to us and want to continue to partner with us and um, hopefully buy more from us again and again? So um, I would love to hear what other panelists think on that as well. Yeah, I mean, I can add, I think, spot on with everything that you said, but I think when you, today, right, so this panel, new revenue remedies and realities, you know, the reality today is that business is, is tough right now. And so everything sort of has to be tied to the common goal of, you know, are we winning? in the market, right? Are we, are we hitting our goals? Are we earning that revenue? So I think when you talk about the alignment of these functions, um, first and foremost, it starts from the top down, right? So it, it doesn't matter if you have one unified leader um, like myself that sits across these functions um, or multiple leaders, you, you know, you also have a board typically and a CEO and it has to be from those functions as well that they're completely aligned, that this is one team um, that's gonna achieve these goals. And then I think it really is about the goal setting. Right, so historically, marketing has been held to a lot of vanity metrics. Um, sales has been held to a lot of quantity metrics, and they don't make sense in today's reality. Right, it's quality, and you do that as one team. And then I think um, it's really communication, and, and this is you know uh, probably common sense to everybody in this room, and yet it tends to be the biggest breakdown. So you have to make sure that you are actually getting these teams together. I've advised a number of organizations to to help them find that red thread, and it's so amazing to me how many just simply don't have joint meetings. They're not talking. And I think part of that is semantics. So over the past couple of days, I've heard a few people um, mention this uh, you know, at different um, talks that you know, 
saying sales and marketing just sort of gives the perception that you're two different teams. And so can you call it something else? Can you be go-to-market? Can you be ABM? Can you be one unified you know, revenue engine or the growth team? You know, so I think that's, that's a part of it as well. Yeah, I would agree with both uh, Andrea and Brooke there. I think some of the simple things are, are the things that are most overlooked. Commitment on SLAs, you know, when is the sales team going to follow up? When are you required to kill an opportunity? So just alignment from the beginning there. I also think there has to be less blurred lines between sales and marketing. You know, as you mentioned, you know, one of the easiest things to do now with conversational AI like Gong and Chorus and a few others that are out there is as a marketer, you should be listening to sales calls. What objections are the sales teams overcoming? And as marketers, it helps you understand what the sellers in the field are really struggling with or what you're winning on so that you can double down on that messaging. So there's really no excuse to have those joint meetings and have marketers sit in on call reviews and call coaching to hear what the salespeople are being, being coached on. Totally. Thanks, guys. That's great. <clears throat> so um, obviously, all the great planning and alignment in the world is useless without execution and really good execution. Um, beyond the foundational elements, <clears throat> with all of the proliferation of MarTech and sales tech and now generative AI coming on the scene, there's no shortage of tools, tech, and also, frankly, a lot of noise around some of the newer, newer AI things coming into the market. How do you guys think about the right approach to getting the right amount of tech, the right amount of tools, and deploying that across the organization to support the growth? Brooke, do you want to start? Sure. Um, you know, again, a lot of the companies I'm going into, they're startup scale up, they don't have big budgets. And, um, you know, so there has to be a significant prioritization that happens. And that happens on the people, the processes, and the technologies. And I think there's so many incredible platforms out there today. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of shiny new objects. And so I think when you're really evaluating what you need, you know, number one, don't knock a good old fashioned Excel spreadsheet from time to time, you know, at the end of the day, as long as you can pull the data that you need to, to just continue to optimize, it's okay to lean into some old-fashioned ways. Um, but number two, I really look at, okay, full customer lifecycle, right? So um, yesterday, if you were listening to the presentation from Forrester, they talked about putting the customer at the center. And so it's not about, hey, where's just solely the breakdown in the sales cycle? Or why are we not generating leads and what tools do we need for that? It's really, what's the customer journey, right? From the moment that they know you exist all the way through to hopefully being a brand champion, where are the gaps there? And can we do that with the people we have? Can we do that with the technologies we have and the processes we have? And where, where do you focus? So if there's a major gap in one step of that process, kind of focus there. And is there a tool? Is there AI? You know, there's a lot of content AI um, available. And I think that's one thing that you can definitely lean into because quite frankly, every company today needs to be a bit of a media company and you can't create content fast enough. So it's, you know, what are we trying to create and, and can we lean into the technology for that? And then as you sort of elevate that stage of the process, you look at the other stages. Okay, where is the next sort of hurdle? Is there technology that can support it? Just don't do everything at once, I guess is sort of the main message. Yeah, I think as, as uh, sales and marketing leaders, we're always one tool away from hitting our revenue goal. Um, and there's always a new, a new shiny object up there. I, I have really three quick thoughts on this. One, as Brooke said, keep it simple. You know, uh, don't implement things that you're not ready for. Start with the process and the people, and then start to implement the tools along the way. And one advice I'd give is start with tools that are easy for sellers to use and implement and get quick wins, because then they're going to be champions of future tools that you want to implement. So things like Lucia or ZoomInfo or Chorus or even um, 
you know, sales author outreach, something like that, is something they can grasp and helps them do their current job really, really well before trying to introduce new motions and new flows. The other thing I've learned uh, from implementing tools is involve enablement and ops really, really early in the process. Enablement is going to be the one that goes in and understands how both teams work and make sure that they keep all of the sales call it BS, from coming back to you on why they don't want to do it, and they can go and train. And then Ops is going to be one that allows you to implement these tools effectively into all the systems and give you the reporting that you need. So keep it simple. Don't implement things before you're ready. And ultimately, you want to do only the things that are going to help both sales leaders and marketers have more meaningful and personalized engagements with potential customers. Yeah, That's great. Adrian? Sure, I um, would just add a couple quick thoughts. I think, too, don't be afraid to reevaluate your tech stack. Just because you invested in something last year, three years ago, um, doesn't mean it's the right thing for you anymore. So um, if it's something that you just, for whatever reason, haven't been able to see value from or didn't have the bandwidth to really truly ever implement, I think making those decisions um, you know, to not renew or um, somehow repurpose the investment to something else that might be more aligned with you know, what your business growth goals are today is really important for marketing and sales to be able to um, collaborate and do. And then, uh, while I certainly won't pretend to be an expert on AI tools and um, you know exactly how to leverage them, I tend to think about them in three buckets. You know, uh, how can you leverage AI to help you understand the past to work um, better and smarter in the present and to grow more efficiently in the future? And I think there are so many you know tools out there that you know uh, maybe straddle some of those buckets or. Um, can help in one area or another. And so whether it's you know, trying to understand where you've won, where you're most likely to win, um, I know like Sixth Sense, for example, and, and probably some other ABM tools have that ability to um, help you analyze your funnel and figure out where you should um, be focusing when it comes to net new logos in the future, just as one example. Um, and then there are all those day-to-day you know, -day productivity tools that for the things that um, can really just be a time suck, or maybe you're not feeling super creative today and you need you know, a prompt or some help, um, leveraging those for things like you know, subject line writing or copywriting or sales emails um, can be super helpful. And to, to that point too, I think also depending on the size of your organization, having some controls around what tools your team is independently using is something that I'm seeing more and more of a challenge in our customers that we work with. They have you know, an SDR team that has 100 people and they're all using 10 different tools and now there's, I think you mentioned, 1,100 different uh, email cadences that are going out using AI. And so having control over that messaging is something that we've got to be more mindful of as, as leaders of the revenue teams. That's a really good point. <clears throat> so um, what is the tool or tech that you're like most excited about that's emerged in, in recent months? That's a great question. I'm still on the waiting list for sales <laughs> GPT, so uh, if anybody could use my referral code, I'll move up the list. So I, I have two that I'll, I'll mention. Um, one is we've been using Gong and feeding it into a generative AI tool that helps us extract um, cohorts of messaging, cohorts of pain points, so that's pretty cool. The other one I'm really excited about is Hockey Stack. That's a really yeah. cool, a cool up-and-coming uh, tech that allows you to really look at the full customer journey in a 360-degree view, which is obviously like utopia hmm. for us in sales and marketing. Any others? I, I, well, I can just tell you one. This is not really a tool that I've implemented or used, um, but you can do it for free. I think it's called Crystal Nose. Does anybody know this? 
Um, essentially, it will, you can put in anybody's LinkedIn profile and it will spit back to you, this is great for salespeople, like how to talk to that person. And I've done so many people that I know and it is spot on. It is, it, they're like, this is, you have to be direct with this person or you've really got to nurture this person and you know, talk about their dog. And you know, it's a little freaky, but it, it, for a salesperson, it's a, because there's so much, right? In B2B selling that you're on LinkedIn, it's a great tool to do some additional diligence on how do I actually engage this prospect. That's really cool. And you yeah. just drove a spike in their website traffic. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> That's funny. I actually know the founders of that company. They're, oh, good. You can tell. I'll tell them. It's great. Them you're welcome. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're using Chorus as well. I think conversational AI and just the ability to, you know, pro athletes watch game film for sales leaders and marketing leaders to watch the game film and see how they can iterate and create messaging from the conversations they're having. That's something that we've been implementing a lot, um, even for our customers as well. It's very cool. Um, so practically speaking, um, obviously as uh, B2B sales and marketers, there's a lot of noise trying to reach our customers, tons of noise. Um, what are some of the strategies across go-to-market teams? I also love, Brooke, your comment about calling it a go-to-market team, love that. But what are some of the tactics and strategies that you guys are seeing work well to engage buyers amidst all of the noise that they get pummeled with on a daily basis? Zach, do you want to start? Yeah, absolutely. I think you know one of the, the biggest challenges that marketers are overcoming is that you can't just take someone in and throw it over the fence. So uh, we've seen a lot of marketers come to us saying, I really need to engage buyers across all the different content mediums that they're engaging in, in all the different ways that they're engaging, because they're not known to us until they're ready to talk to our, our companies. And so I think a brand to demand approach, you know, incorporating awareness, incorporating content downloads or content syndication along with, you know, more bottom of the funnel tactics like paid media and driving demos and trials is really important. And I think today, uh, one of the biggest things that's working is creating a flywheel of not only just paying for a lead or from a vendor or bringing it into your environment, but continue to nurture that through your first party channels, but also third party channels. And so what I mean by that is, in the past, you'd buy a content syndication lead, you'd pass it over to sales, they'd work it, it would turn into an opportunity or not. But today, you really wanna work with your vendors to every time that user wants to interact with your brand, you should wanna know about it. So any intent signal, any content download, any time they're interacting on a page that's on your site or on you know, a third party site, you wanna feed that intelligence back to the sales team. So it's not just a one touch, it's multi-touch in your environment and outside of your environment. And that's where we're seeing our customers have the most success in not only using intent data to target, but then influence the intent of that person in that company. I can just expand on that because I was going to say one word, um, brand, right? And, and it's something that finally is at the forefront of B2B conversations. Um, you know, I think people for a long time felt like, oh, no, we're selling to businesses. You know, they don't care about our brand and what we stand for. But at the end of the day, you know, every sale is human to human. Um, and, and your buyers are human, and so brand matters. And you know, oftentimes, you know, more often than not, people are not ready to buy what you're selling, but over time they will be. And so it's important to stay in front of them so that you know, when that time comes, they think of you, and you do that through brand. We just listened to a keynote on narrative and the importance of it. I mean, this is what matters, especially today and sticking out in the noise. Honestly, if you search you know, any of your, and, and I'm a big, 
believer that yes, you should know what your competition is, but it is so less important than what your customers care about. So if you do actually search through and look at your, uh, your competition, there's a lot of choices out there. So is it a feature that's really gonna move the needle? No. You know, they, like one feature is not gonna change the game. You know, is it the price tag? Maybe, but generally not. You know, it's really because they have built up enough trust in you and your brand. So I think it is across that customer life cycle, how do you continue to nurture them, get away from, oh, you know, this is a marketing-driven lead or, you know, this is a sales-driven lead. It's kind of, you know, what is the influence across the entire cycle and how do we keep leaning into the things that seem to really be building up that trust and that credibility? Yeah, for, for sure. I think, you know, all the talk lately about the dark funnel um, has really brought you know to the forefront of all marketers' minds. Like you never know where that next right prospect might be looking for information and um, you know uncovering your brand, whether it's something that you're measuring and aware of or not. So just being cognizant of that and making sure that you are uh, representing your brand in the way that you'd want it to be perceived across all those touch points uh, is important. And along with that, I think storytelling is so key when it comes to prospect and customer engagement. I know, you know some of the programs or even you know, SDR email templates that I've seen work best in engaging uh, totally cold uh, potential customers are ones that tell stories about how prospects just like that one saw success, achieved you know, really great business outcomes with your solution. So um, I think that's just so critical to, to really, and it goes back to that understanding of the customer having sales and marketing be aligned on that, you know, marketers really taking the time to understand why does my business exist? What is it that we offer to the world, to our ICP? And how do I make sure that I'm conveying that, um, again, across, across touch points in copy, um, et cetera? Yeah. That's great. I always say that the marketing teams that I work with think like a business person first and a marketer second. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly that mindset of what is the business outcome we're trying to achieve and then backing into the marketing strategy from that. Um, yeah. Burke, you mentioned you know moving away from a marketing source lead, a sales source lead. I totally love that and behind that concept. But boards are still looking for very specific metrics tied to marketing ROI, customer acquisition costs, et cetera. So how are you seeing that work, like practically? So my experience, I've reported into a board for the last decade plus. Um, and my experience is that your board cares about three things. So I've, I've basically been B2B SaaS, right? So they care about ARR. Are we making money? Are we hitting our numbers? They care about churn. Are we gonna continue to make these numbers or are we going to lose them? And they care about your sales cycle length. How quickly can you make me more money? When you talk about lead source and things like that, I think they're probably a pretty active board to dig deeper and care about it. But again, you need to go into that with a bigger picture, right? Because at the end of the day, they care about the money. They care about the bottom line. And so that bigger picture, yes, it's, hey, here's what we're spending, but here's what we're getting back for it. And if you can help to educate them that, hey, we're spending, in, see the trends, right? So yes, we've spent all this money, conferences, guys, right? It's extremely expensive to be at conferences, and we all know this. And a lot of times you're, you're asking, hey, I need $25,000, I need $50,000, I need $100,000 to attend this event. You're insane, you know, what's the ROI in that? How many customers do we get? But if you can start to show peaks in, in activity, right? In interest, in downloads, in people visiting your website, and tell that bigger story, right? It's not just the qualitative, it's the 
quant I mean, not just the quantitative, but also the qualitative when you are having those conversations. But I try to keep it very high level with boards. I think you know that's that's always been my secret to success. That's great feedback. Andrea or Zach, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think one of the, the biggest challenges that we're working through with our customers is they come to us and want to implement these go-to-market motions, especially ones that are forward-thinking and full funnel and creating this flywheel, is at the end of the day, their CMO and, or their board is saying, well, how many leads did you bring in and how much revenue did it drive and what are the guarantees and how do we feed the sales team and then how do we base our hires on that? And so I think you can also go and work with your third parties and tools and your you know, SaaS solutions that you're implementing to figure out how do you fit their pricing model into the ways that you can report it back to your, to your board. They're, they'll want to be flexible with you, especially in today's time when budgets are light and everyone's hungry for business, they want to make sure they're making you look as successful as possible. And so we work with our customers to say, here's the lead guarantees, here's how many impressions, here's how many demos or clicks that you'll get. And that ties into you know, a more a revenue model, traditional revenue model easier. That's awesome. Andrew, any thoughts? Yeah, I would just add, you know, back to the whole piece around alignment that we started with. I think if the go-to-market, you know, slash sales and marketing leaders that sit in those board meetings are aligned on what success is for that particular function, you can decide together what metrics should be reported, you know, at that level um, and what matters most. Yep, love the alignment. Um, so we have about five minutes left, and I want to leave some time for questions. But uh, I guess we'll close with, um, what is the top advice you would give somebody in a revenue role today? Sure. Um, as we've mentioned a couple times, uh, the reality today is that many companies are taking a hard look at what they're spending to grow. So it's no longer the growth at all costs. Um, a lot of companies now are talking more and more about the rule of 40, where your revenue growth plus your margin should equal 40 to be a healthy growth company. Um, and so if you're a revenue professional, you need to bear that in mind. And scalability, repeatability, you know, profitability of your growth channels is critical. Um, and so as you're looking at you know, what it is you want to rally your teams to do and to focus on, I think bearing that in mind um, is really key. And uh, the second piece of advice I would offer is uh, don't lose focus on the customers that you have. Um, I think that's so easy for revenue teams to do because you tend to be focused on you know, the net new logo piece. But um, obviously, it's much easier to grow an existing customer than to acquire a new one. So paying attention to customer QBRs, um, doing cab events, um, giving your customers opportunities to share their success stories and best practices and learn from each other is really important. I think the biggest piece of advice that I generally give a lot of the companies I go into is just simply focus. Um, you know, I think too often people are trying to do too much at any given time. Um, whether that's, you know, hiring, a, we're going to grow, we're going to hire a bunch of people, and then you hire people that you have no idea what role you're even really putting them in or if they're set up for success. Um, processes. Oh, we need a process for everything, and, you know, all of a sudden you've created this red tape um, in a really small company, or, oh, the tech stack, right? Let's implement everything because I went to this event and I've learned about all this new technology and we need it all at once. You can't do it all. You know, you've got to focus, and, and that changes. So you really have to look at your business um, regularly you know, um, monthly, quarterly, typically you report to a board quarterly, um, maybe it's semi-annually, but you know, you're as a leader, you need to look at it monthly and really understand 
what are, what's working this month, where are the, the hiccups or the roadblocks, and how do we address those? And that's your focus for the next month, and then you do it again. And so that focus is constantly shifting, but you have to be focused. Yeah, those are both really good. Mine is, get back to the basics. I mean, at the end of the day, there's a lot of foundational things that we can do as sales and marketing leaders to move the business forward, especially in the current macroeconomics. I find a lot of times my team come to me and want to implement a tool or a process. I'm like, look, we've got to do the monotonous things really, really well first before we can go do the shiny things. And so my advice is really simple. Do the little things really, really well, and those will add up to really great things and then give you the freedom to go and implement the fun, new, innovative motions. So get back to the basics. Yeah, that's awesome advice. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you, you guys so much. Thank, Thank you. This session was so packed with relevant and important insights for anyone in any revenue-facing role. So I'd like to give a huge thank you again to the panelists for that really authentic conversation. Yeah, it's panels like this at our events that are really true gems for our audience. I personally always enjoy the raw and the real commentary that these panelists provide. So I really hope you all enjoyed this one. Thank you all again for listening today. Don't miss any upcoming episodes by subscribing to the podcast on your player of choice. And of course, make sure to connect with us on Twitter and LinkedIn to share your feedback and tell us who else you want to hear from on the pod. Have a great rest of your week, folks. We'll be back with another episode next Wednesday. But in the meantime, do not forget if you want to join us live and get these tools and tips and insights that you need to succeed in real time, register for our upcoming B2B Marketing Exchange in Scottsdale, Arizona. There's more info in the show notes and we really hope to see you there. So take care, everyone.